Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the GRIP podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of CSU and your host of the show. And super excited to have Jake Rockwell on the GRIP podcast with us today. Jake is the owner of the Rockwell Group at eXp, and Jake has a great story. Um, I've known Jake now for, geez, I want to say about three years, um, probably in that range. Yeah, maybe even a little longer when we kind of first connected, but yeah. Maybe maybe four there. years. So yeah. so anyway, and I think you've been at eXp that, that entire time. So you were one of the early people to go over to eXp, or fairly early. Sure, um, yeah. So anyway, um, Jake has a great story. Uh, I'm not going to go over his whole bio with this intro because I, I want you guys to hear this from, from Jake. So here we are, Christmas week, and uh, you know I jump in this podcast with Jake, and he's just wrapping up a team meeting. So uh, here we are. I can tell you these guys are not taking vacation. They're in the middle of a sales contest. And so I think I think that's awesome. So before we dive into your business, though, Jake, I really want to go into your background today. So you in your 30s, I know early 30s, maybe you were 30. You had a software company. You had an e-commerce company. E-commerce was big at the time, right? That's when e-commerce was just taking off. You built this company. You sold it. I don't know how many millions you had, but then, you know, somehow over a five, six, seven year period, you lost it all. So tell us about that story. Yeah, you know, I growing up, I'd always been kind of an entrepreneur and wanted to, you know, I told my mom that I, that I was going to be a millionaire and all that. And so, yeah, I started an e-commerce company selling, you know, products, uh, pet products and billiards products, two different websites. Started those in 04, saw a friend that was being successful online and I jumped in, started, you know, selling on eBay and all that. Anyway, um, had built them up to be the billiards company, to be one of the top billiards online retailers in the country and sold both of those in 07, right before the crash. And, and yeah, I made, you know, um, sold for a couple million and was kind of high on the hog. And, and the next five years I had invested in a, a buy here, pay here car business that was doing really well, high interest, you know, loans, kind of a negative business, but the problem was I was um, I had my priorities wrong. I was I was still living the life of a of a bar owner, uh, a twenty one year old, and because I had owned a brewery prior to the e commerce company, and just was living a lifestyle that um, wasn't healthy and generated a lot of bad decisions, and so just blowing through cash. And and though it was the business that I had at that time was doing well, it was burning you know, because of lifestyle. So financially crashed. And so, so you sold this business. What did you do after you sold the business? Were you just so, kind of playing for a few years or were you actually working or what, what were you doing? 
No, I started a car business. A friend of mine was in the car, buy here, pay here car business. Oh, that, that, like, you were in that business at this time. Okay. Yeah, high risk loans. So we would buy cars, sell them at, you know, high interest loans. And, and so I took that money and was putting it on the books at a high interest. And, and, and it was doing really well. It's just the problem is me and that partner were, were just, we were partying really. I mean, it just wasn't nothing, no way to sugarcoat it just making bad decisions. And we ran that for about five or six years. And as it slowly unraveled, I was kind of getting down to the last of the money that I had and found someone to take that business over right about the same time I was getting my real estate license. I saw a friend of mine that was successful in real estate. You know, he was cashing some big checks. And I was like, you know, I, I want to get, I want to, I've always wanted to get into real estate for the investing side. I had bought my first house when I was 23 and and so I got my real estate license and jumped in. And at that point, I was like, well, you know, there's a, there's obviously a high failure rate to it. What and year was this? This was 2013, right? Okay. Right. Right. When I, I had crashed okay. and got the license and, and made the decision that I was going all in. So I wanted to make sure that if I was going to make, I, I wanted to make sure that I gave myself the best opportunity to make it. If it didn't work, it didn't work, but I'll know that I at least tried and, and gave it my all. Went in the office every day, making calls, you know, lead generating and so forth. And, you know, that was yeah, nine and a half years ago. And and finally, about six months in, the the momentum ball, you know, started and sold 36 homes my first year. And, and then, you know, it, it went from there, but it was an interesting time, you know, back then. And, and, you know, hindsight's obviously helps determine what happened, what caused, you know, even the successes I've had, you know, successful businesses in the past. And during building those, you don't quite know what it's going to take to get them to where they are. But once you've already built them, you can very easily look back and see pinpoint things that truly were the reason those businesses succeeded. I mean, I, for all that, I had a brewery that was grossing 5,000 a month in sales, which most places do in an evening. Right. And to be able to make that company work with 8,000 in my pocket, we realized what, what caused that and, you know, built that business up and sold it before the internet stops. Yeah. So I I think you said something here that is super valuable. I mean, when you've had these experiences, I look back even on some of the stuff I'm doing today, and, um, you know, with some of the tech companies I built in the past, uh, definitely learning lessons and a bit, being able to avoid pitfalls and mistakes that I made back then. But I would also say surrounding yourself with the right people and having mentors who have also been down that road and built that can make sure to help get you there faster, quicker, without having to make the same mistakes that somebody else has made a dozen times. Right. So absolutely. So you sold 36 homes your first year. So you come into real estate and made, made some money. Uh, I have no idea what your price point was, but you made a fair amount of money at 36 homes. And so you decide being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, you're going to build a team. Is that, is that kind of what happened here? Yeah. Well, I sold 36 homes my first year, but it was 80 hours a week. I went home told, yep. my, told my wife, I was like, you know what? I don't care how much money it is. It's not worth it. I'm not, I don't want, you know, I had just come out of owning my own businesses where I had staff and employees. And so I didn't have, you know, I, I told people that I've worked more hours as a real estate agent than I did in anything else I did. 
to be a high producing <clears throat> agent, you know, I, I know a lot of people sell 50 homes a year and they're yeah. working a lot, right? They're, they're constantly weekends, nights. I mean, they're always answering their cell phones. It, it's just the lifestyle, right? Yeah. And it was it, it, really building the team was out of a necessity, you know, where you get a lot of people that coming into the industry that are jumping into the industry to build a team. And, and I kind of did kind of old school way. I brought on a, an assistant slash buyer's agent and, and it just kind of, it just snowballed from there. And every year we grew and grew and about three years in had about 10 agents and, and we ended up leaving that brokerage and opening up our own brokerage. And it's just, you know, it's just snowballed and it was always ran as a team and, and you learn a lot. You know, I did a lot of uh, research on teams and obviously there's a lot of different ways to, to run a successful team uh, with structure and commission splits and, and leads and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we've just kind of evolved over the years to try to really make each section um, of, a, of a team good. So what are some of the best decisions you feel you've made as a team owner? Uh, the, what, what are some of the things that set your team apart? You know, we're in a small area. Uh, so when it comes to the market and so forth, you know, I was able to really catapult early on to, to being kind of the top agent. And, you know, we use marketing for a lot of that. But the I mean, without getting into brokerage specific, I mean, making the move from into our own brokerage and then making the move to our existing brokerage was a huge turning point for our company. And it and getting myself out of the production to where now our main team focus is uh, from a team standpoint is to help agents get everything they want. Yeah not just in production, but in life in general. And, and so our main focus when we have management meetings is like, how do we make our agents better? How do we get them to where they want to be, whether it's 10 houses a year, a hundred houses a year, whatever. And so that's just, it, it's nice to be able to have that clarity and that focus that that's what our focus is as a team leader and a management team. Okay. So you guys have around 60 agents doing around 500 homes a year. Is that right? Yeah, a lot of the growth, uh, about a third of that growth came over the last year. Um, something happened and the culture in our in our team is just extremely strong. And, and so that has now spread. We don't do heavy recruiting, uh, even though we're, you know, with the XP it, locally for our team. It's just been natural people lining up to, to be a part of our team. And, and some new expansion areas have opened up, partnering with some people in other areas. So a lot of that growth team-wise was in the last year. And so now we're gearing up to really see the production side because it takes a little while to get you know agents off the ground. A lot of our growth is from newer agents. Yeah, there are a lot of teams I know that uh, prefer to recruit new agents over experienced agents so that you can train them to, to work in your culture, right? So you had this shift, though, that happened this year. Like, what was yeah. it? Like well, why are I mean, why are these agents now attracted to your business? Why do they want to be a part of your team? <laughs> just I think that the culture that we've created. I mean, I've always talked about. Uh, I do a lot of talks and in, in, in training on on team building and so forth. And culture is a an important piece to that pie. And I mean, I call it the glue that keeps the team together. And we have so many excited agents on our team that they're spreading that energy out 
And I mean, we have agents from other companies telling people to come talk to us about, you know, when they when they're getting into real estate to come join our team. I think part of it is because we have a really good onboarding and training program. We really work to help those agents get off their off the ground and get their first deal in escrow. And that's part why we like new agents is because they we set the right expectation up front. We let them know what the real real estate agent life looks like, not the the social media life, you know, of all the fun things that we do, but the the work that it takes, you know, there's no there's no magic bullet. It's just, you know, you get down to business and and there's there's a there's a path to, to success. But um it, you know, it just that culture has has generated the attraction of people to to want to join our team. Okay, so you are now. I think you've expanded into five markets. You've been focusing on your technology, focusing on automating your business as much as possible. Like what? Well, let's talk first about like what are the key systems you guys use? What is what is making a difference for your business there? And then like. Let's talk about these expansion markets because yeah. I'm seeing there's so many teams now that are moving into, you know, expansion markets. We have some customers that have 50 plus expansion markets, which is, you know, huge, right? So, yeah, and technology becomes more and more important for that. We we're actually in the middle of a pretty big shift technology wise. Um, over the last nine years, we've had this really strong momentum and growth and over the last two and a half years, and especially this year, obviously, with the little shifting market, you know, I've been waiting to kind of see where the cracks are in our process and our business. And we're starting to see that. And now we're diving, I'm diving all in and really making some big changes to the way we operate, the systems and the tech that we use. So we're, we're in the middle of changing CRMs right now. We've been using CSU. If, if, this, if this window wasn't um, frosted, you'd see our screen just like yours in the background, rotating, you know, stats of our team and, and so forth. So we're using CSU. Uh, we're now uh, moving to follow-up boss from another CRM. And we use Real Geeks for, for our website. That may, we may add to that. We may keep that, but add some other website front-end um, yep. stuff. And Skyslope, which is part of part of our brokerage. And and what else do we use tech-wise? So, so you mentioned something about finding things that are falling through the cracks. Like you've discovered things this year. What are the things that you've discovered that may have been weaknesses that you're turning into strengths? Most of it revolves around leads, lead flow, lead generation, nurturing. I believe that the amount of business we did over the last couple of years probably be, could be close to double um, what it was. And mainly because of the, you know, we, we, we bring in a lot of leads and the front end's pretty good. We, we got the 10 days of pain. We use, you know, we're using third-party ISA for that. We're going to be integrating more in-house ISA team to really be the pillar of our company. But the long, the other 90%, the other 90% of those leads, we're not getting the right messages. So there's just a lot falling through the cracks into the hands of other real estate agents, you know, our competitors and so forth. And so we're, we're fixing that, really implementing uh, a better long-term nurturing, messaging, uh, branding. We're diving more back in the community, bringing in uh, ISAs to help uh, and technology to, to, to bring those opportunities to the surface more and, and, and capitalize on that. And obviously get our agents, you know, back to basics on, on, you know, routine and time blocking and scheduling. 
Yeah. So with 60 agents, how many ISAs do you have today? Or is this something you're just starting? It's it's new. Uh, we used to have an ISA model back in the day. Um, our agents loved it, but that was when we had 10 agents. And so we've got, we have a third party ISA company um, and I've got another two people that um, work partially as ISAs. Um, one is part-time and one is um, one of our main salespersons that used to be our head ISA back you know, early years, really good at converting, you know, over the phone, setting up appointments, and that's what we'll get to. But that'll, that, that's a transition that'll take, you know, six months to a year to really dial that in. Okay, well, as you get down that road, and CSU, we focused in about two years ago on really providing in depth reporting for ISAs. So I'm happy to, to yeah. uh, spend some time with you sharing with you how you can leverage that. Yeah, we were just looking at that actually um, a week or two ago. Uh, John, um, our onboarding trainer, uh, had had brought that to us, and so we've been looking at that. So, well, if there's anything I can do to help there, let me know. Absolutely. So you you've now said, hey, we're going to expand. We're going to do these expansion markets. So if you're going to do an expansion market, I think you have five now, right? Yeah, we we're in Southern Oregon. Um, we're up in Northern Oregon, Salem, Eugene, Portland area. And then we're in Phoenix, Arizona. We just and then we just launched uh, Vegas and uh, a couple areas in Tennessee. And then Denver will be after the first of the year. But we were in Hawaii. Our our Hawaii person rock star actually went back home, which is Tennessee. And so okay. we kind of had to make that shift. So we didn't really have someone. And, and we've done expansion areas over the years, and and we haven't had a lot of success with them. And a lot of it came down to having the right person and having that person in place that really, you know, has the grit, the, the, the willingness to, to really, you know, go after it. And so we're finally starting to see some success up in Salem. We've got a rock star up there. We've got, I think we're three or four agents in Salem, Oregon, and uh, I'm super excited. In fact, yesterday we got our first deal in escrow down in Vegas which is exciting for our agent down there. And, and yeah, expansionary. I mean, it just opens up the doors. We're in a small market in Southern Oregon. So the, the room for growth, it will ultimately be limited. I mean, we've got 1500 agents and we're in a 200,000, you know, person market. And so expansion is, is, I think the, I think teams and and expansion teams are really um, a big part of the future of the industry. So how have you gone about, finding the right expansion partner. Because I agree with you, that is the most important thing. It's more important than where you go is who you're working with. So how do you find that right person? Well, we haven't been out looking, you know, to be honest. They just happen to be found. Somehow we get connected like um, Mike, who was in Hawaii and now Tennessee. I think I posted something on Facebook he had reached out for some coaching or some help with something and we stayed in touch. Um, I could tell that he had it early on. I tried to bring him on, you know, a year prior. And then finally he, he had reached out. And again, we're not out searching for new locations right now. We're it's just when they, when they, when we know, we know, and it's mm-hmm. finding the right person that, that has that work ethic um, that's, has the um, drive to to build something special and and be a part of a a larger organization to help each other achieve you know what they want to achieve. So, yeah, yeah. It's also I mean, there's a lot of leverage that you can bring as a team owner where you already have all the systems in place. You have a team in place that they can leverage. 
and just a lot of knowledge and expenses. I mean, you can reduce their expenses tremendously by doing that. So I've seen a lot of value in that. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a path that teams should take as they succeed in their own markets. Yeah. And we're working on some of the different systems with, you know, launching a new team. We've got a a person on our team that is now is our expansion director. So he's working with those team leaders. He's working on processes to improve, you know, when we launch a new area, not that we're going to go out and launch 10 new areas. I really want to stay focused on making sure those locations, you know, become successful and help them, you know, do what they're doing. But um, it, you know, there's, it, it's, it's a constant change. And I, and I remind my team that, you know, when they get upset about change, like changing a scenario, I said, the bad news is we're changing. The good news is we're always going to be changing. That's not ever going to change. It's just what, it's just what yeah. we're doing. So you guys have, you've, you've had a lot of success attracting people who want to take on new markets. You've had a lot of success attracting agents. I don't know if we ever really, like if you ever really share, like you're not actively recruiting agents. So what is it that makes these agents attracted to your team? If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of back up a little bit. Now, obviously we're with EXP, so there is a, you know, a recruiting attraction aspect to that company. And but so not necessarily, not necessarily attracting to the team, right? I mean, that's. There's, I mean, we have, a, we have agents within our group that are actively having conversations with other agents and, and we, we do it a little bit differently than regular recruiting. We're really trying to help people, you know, get to where they want. And if it makes sense, then it makes sense. But, but locally, it, it becomes a word of mouth thing. You know, I, I think that the word has gotten out in our area anyway, that they want to be, you know, and, and, and when they hear about an agent's experience that's already on our team, they want to be a part of that. And so, I mean, there was a point last year, I feel, felt like we were interviewing two or three agents a week that are just, you know, showing up. But a lot of times those are coming from agents that are in our group already. Hey, I've got a friend getting licensed. They really want to be about uh, be a part of our team and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great way to recruit. All right. So one of the things you did, you've always had an interest in real estate. You bought your first house at 23 years old. Yeah. One of the things you've done is you've gone out and built an investment company. I believe you have 65 doors now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I started, you know, I obviously I had to rebuild after crashing. And and, and yeah, back in 23, when I was 23, I bought my first house. I guess it wasn't right out of college or maybe it was, I guess it was shortly after college, but it was a, it was an owner carry deal in the, in the classified ads of the paper um, back when they printed those. And I, I pulled a $5,000 cash advance off of a credit card for the down payment and did an owner carry. It had a little ADU in the back, rented it out and rented all the rooms out this old little house, you know, near downtown in our area. And, and that was the first property that we bought or that I bought. And, and then, yeah, just, you know, now it's really, I'm really big on the investing side, uh, creating that passive bucket for long-term retirement and, and growth. And so um, I do a lot of multifamily uh, kind of guy and I have, I do have one short-term rental down in Arizona, but um, multifamily is kind of what we're, what we're, we're into. And then on the side of that, I'm partners with two other guys in a small syndication company where we'll um, find projects and bring investors in. 
Okay, so if I'm a team owner out there, which most of most of our listeners, I think, own real estate teams or brokerages. So if I own a real estate team or brokerage, or if I'm an agent, what do I do to find those properties? If I haven't bought a property, like what what are the actions? What are the steps I have to take to actually go find some of these properties to buy? Well, yeah, I think for for me, it's just always making sure I saw every new listing coming in. And, and nowadays, it's hard to get a, a great deal that pencils. Early on, when I was buying rental properties, I didn't um, analyze them the same way I do now. I really look at my cash on cash return. And, you know, it's just really looking for you kind of have to also think outside the box. Like you see a property and like, okay, on the surface, it may not look like a great opportunity, but then can you add another unit? Can you break it up? Um, Is there something special about it that you can do? And, but yeah, shoot. I mean, the first step is you got to look at the hall sheet. You got to look at everything that's coming on the market. And really my path of getting into real estate was not to become uh, an awesome real estate agent. It was just a path to create revenue to put into my freedom buckets into investing in real estate. I wanted to be closer to the action. And so, you know, having lots of conversations, letting people know that you're investing, but really looking for those, those opportunities when they come up and, and being quick enough to. Do you have a team or do you have a few agents that when like that you market to potential investment opportunities and they go out and their first goal is to to get the investment, not to get the listings, but the last goal is to get the listing. Do you have that type of model you run or not? not so no, much? I don't. I, I do. I, ha- I know people that do in our market. Uh, a friend of mine does that. No, we just, you know, I mean, we obviously I'm also working with investors as clients. Um, I have a few of my own. Obviously, I don't necessarily do the, the work on there, but I, I, you know, they they reach out when they want to invest, and and I I don't compete with them. So if they're looking at a property, um, most of the stuff that I'm buying myself ends up becoming a l- more off market stuff and just different scenarios that that you know come up and and so forth. But yeah, um, all right. So I think we've we've heard a lot about your story. I want to hear your take on the market. I think you guys are about the same as what you did in 2021 with COVID. 2020 and 2021 became inflated very quickly. And so that's good, just being there. I know I know some teams that have grown their business substantially. I know others who have gone down. So being where you were at in 2021, 2021, great year. Um, congratulations on that. Now, where's the market going? What, what yeah, are you I mean, doing to make sure you keep that growing? In, in yeah. Today? I mean, no, obviously breaking even or, 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 you know, doing the same as last year is fine, but it's not, not at all what, you know, I vision for, I want to see growth every year and it, you know, moving forward, it's, it's really, you know, it, it's going to be more work. It's going to be more. So most of, as, as I mentioned earlier, most of our agents came in as new agents and they all came in in the last three or four years. So they were not used to a certain way of doing business. And so move, you know, being that the market's shifted and volume is down, number of sales are down. Yeah. Um, I see that continuing throughout next year. I think there's some economic factors that are going to, you know, keep things to a minimum, but it's still a piece of pie. It's still, there's still homes being sold. There's still properties being bought and sold. And, and it's a matter of how do we take more of our 
take a, take a larger piece of that. And it's really comes down to outworking the competition and, and getting in front of people well before they're looking to buy or sell and, you know, a lot more follow-up, more consistent actions. So a lot of these agents that you've recruited over the last couple of years to get to 60 agents, they've just had leads given to them that closed within a week, right? Yeah. So a lot of them don't know what follow-up is. I remember my first listing when I got into real estate, I actually had my first listing for a year. Um, like different yeah. market, right? I, I think that was eight years ago. So anyway, uh, a lot of these I've seen, I've seen some of these new agents because I'm very close to my wife's business. Some of these new agents get super stressed about their listing not selling in its first week, right? Yeah, uh, and it's it's a totally different market now. So so moving from listings to buyers, you're just talking about it's a lot of work, and I agree with you. And they are going to have to work harder. How do you instill that in them? What are you guys doing to actually get them to be excited about working harder to go make the same money or if they're brand new to go make more money than they've ever made before? Survive. And yeah, I mean, well, the option is you either, I mean, you're either working for yourself or you're working for someone else. And so, I mean, I'd rather, you know, not punch a clock. And and so it's really, well, I mean, we're using CISU even for some of that. I mean, our contest right now is buyer consultation. So we're really focusing on getting appointments one of the big changes we're trying to do in our company um, with the ISA part is we want to take more control of our uh, of the leads and the business that we're generating and try to remove parts of the funnel. You know, the top part, the prospecting follow up for the agents. That'll obviously take some time. That way, as a company, we'll be able to have a lot more consistency and it'll create a lot more opportunities for the agents. But on their end, it's a matter, I think what we're, what we will be implementing this year is really putting together a dedicated come into the office or jump on zoom lead generation blocks for people to, as a group, and, and I'm going to get involved because I, I need to be talking to, you know, just my sphere of influence and just, just in general. And, um, so we're going to be doing a lot more of that just to get people in the habit of, of, being consistent. And I think shifting okay. to the new CRM will help a lot too. Yeah. Okay. So you talked about the sales contest, but you blew over it pretty quickly. So you have a buyer consult contest. Describe this to me. Describe what is the reward? Like, what do they win? What, yeah. what is the competition? Is it half your team against the other half the team? How have you structured this? Share more because I think, I yeah. think, my personal opinion, I'm very biased towards gamification, but I think every team should run a sales contest every month. And I don't think it should be longer than a month because you can't keep their attention span that long, but you have to run a sales contest every month. So I want to hear about the details of your sales contest, if you could, Jake. Yeah, we actually, we're running them a little bit longer than a month. Um, we do, I think, maybe eight weeks. And we generally have a couple different things that are involved that get them points. And this one is buyer consultation appointments. So you get a certain amount of points for buyer consultation because we're really pushing to get appointments. We know that if we get face-to-face -face with people, we're going to have a lot more success. And then, and then the other the other item that goes with this contest is the number of days tracked in a row because oh. tracking is key. And we've That's a good one. We've got, you know, 50, 60 people and it's a matter of, you know, I mean, the, the amount of tracking that's happening is growing and, and something really cool happened last year when we're looking at our numbers for our goal setting, 
we have good numbers as good as what we got in, but we have numbers on conversion rates, like conversation to appointment, appointment to client. And that's helped us produce our goals for next year on, you know, reverse engineering those goals and, and, and telling our agents, Hey, if you want to do this, this is what you have to do. Right. And so we're pushing tracking, getting more and more people tracking. And so, yeah, that contest happens over the course of, I think either eight to 12 weeks and it's about to end here in two weeks. And uh, we have first, second, third. I think they get like a, you know, iPad or iWatch or um, or an Apple Watch or whatever. And, you know, prizes like that. So, and we talk about it every every week in our team meetings about where people are. Okay. So you guys did this, the market slowed. You, you create this contest to have people prospect or it was a prospect or track daily. Track daily and um, appointments set for buyer consultations. Okay, so they're tracking daily. By tracking daily, how many points do they get? I don't remember. I don't know that. that okay. Someone okay. else um, that set that up. Someone else set up the contest. Okay. All right. Do you know what kind of increase you've had from before running the contest to running the contest? Has it increased the number of appointments that you buy or consult appointments you guys have gotten? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know exactly how many it's increased, but you know, in all honesty, um, we just starting, and this sounds bad. I don't know how we got to 500 transactions, but we just started really focusing. I, I mean, I did it early on uh, as an agent to bring someone in the office. Let's look at um, the map. Let's you know look at MLS listing. Let's get a plan together for their buying journey. And our agents, we we really have we strayed away from that a while back, and now we're really jumping back into making that a point, hey, you know, we find that our clients have the best experience if we take 15, 20 minutes and really look at your situation and figure out and, and develop a plan to help you accomplish what you're trying to, you know, accomplish. And so we're just trying to get people to get, even if it's a showing in a driveway buyer consultation or yeah. a Zoom if it has to be, but um, it's it, it's getting people's, our, our agents' mindset shifted to, hey, we know that if we get in front of them, we have better opportunity. Well, I love I love what you're doing. I mean, you just said, hey, I don't know how we sold 500 houses when we haven't been doing this. But the reality is everybody got lazy because you could get lazy, right? I mean, yeah. you could have success no matter what you did the last two years in real estate. So now you guys are honing in on the skills, which I want to emphasize this because the skills and the hard work and the grit, like that is what it's going to take for the people to come out on top today and not only gain business today, but if you're training your agents to be experts and to be elevating their skill set, you are going to take massive market share as the market starts to come back over the next year or two years. So um, I have an opinion of how long it's going to take the market to come back. I'd like to hear your opinion. It's, it's, it's some of it's hard to say because there's so many external factors outside of the housing market. But I mean, I, I don't see things to really starting to jump back up until maybe late 23, 24, somewhere in there. I think for investors, there'll be some opportunities that come up over the next year. But for the, for the overall market, I, you know, for the Rockwell market, I want growth. You know, I want to see seven, yeah. 800 transactions over the next year, but that'll just from work. But, you know, I, I, I think later in 2023, again, depending on the big, big stuff that's going on in the world and, and just, there's, there's a lot of other factors, I think that yeah. could play a role in, in uh, the housing market too. 
So I, I, I love your attitude and not all have this. So again, this goes along with grit, right? But a slowing market doesn't mean that your market needs to slow, right? right? So that's something that's controllable based on the activities you do, based on the planning you do, based on the skill set trainings you do, based on your entire culture, based on running contests. I mean, there's so much that goes into this. So so anyway, congratulations on focusing on all the right stuff right now, Jake. Thanks. And I'm excited to see you as we watch your business grow. I'm excited to see you grow. Hopefully you'll get to seven, 800 in 2023. What is your actual goal for 2023? It's uh, 750 transactions, you know, and um, I don't remember the exact volume. Our, our average price point, I think is around four and a quarter right now, but be more profitable. And, and I think part of that is, is some of the restructuring we're doing and, you know, just kind of controlling, you know, the book side of things. Yeah. Okay. So what would be the last, like, what advice, what would be the one piece of advice that you'd want to give to all of our listeners um, before we close out here? Well, I would say, you know, for for the team leaders, the teams, the brokerage owners, and I think really it's, it's, you have to, I think where the biggest success that we've had with our team as a whole is just genuinely pouring in to people pouring into the agents and genuinely wanting their life to be better in every way, you know, that you have control over and, and, um, and just focusing on that. And then be sure to focus on those, you know, there's obviously when you have a lot of agents, you have people that that check out, they don't show up and, and that can bring a team leader down on why is that? Why aren't they showing up to the trainings? Why aren't they doing this? We've got to shift our focus to focus on the people that are and really focus. I, I'm, I'm reading a book called the, what is it? Uh, the pumpkin plan. And it talks a little bit about this kind of stuff where it's like, you need to stay focused on what you can control and, and, and not what you can't and staying positive and, and moving forward. And, and it, but I think a lot of it comes down to consistency and try to, you know, not only the team leaders have to be consistent, but that's, you know, you lead by example and, and show the agents what consistency will do for them. Yeah, I think it's great advice when you're when your people know you care about them. Yeah. It makes all the difference. Um, so another piece of advice you just gave without even knowing it is read books and invest in yourself today because it's more important than ever that you are growing as a leader so that you can then lead your people to that growth also. So I think I've been, yeah, I, I probably spend 10 hours a week learning and trying to get better as a person and business. And I share a lot of that with, with our team members and, and we, and that's one of our tracking activities on our CSU is, is what have you learned? What, how, you know, what have you, you know, done to, to, to help yourself over the last, oh, I love that. That's yeah. a, that's a good one. I love that. All right. Well, uh, Jake, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. What is the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to? Uh, you can look me up on uh, social media. Just you know, type in my name, uh, rockwellrealestate.com is our website. Um, but feel free to reach out. We, we meet with lots of agents that, that just want to mastermind or collaborate or pick our brain on how we do things. We're, we're an open book. We share everything, you know, whether you want to know how we do our onboarding training, run our team meetings, do our annual, you know, our, our client or team events, we'll share anything. So people are more than, you know, feel free to, to reach out to us and we can jump on a calendar and, and chat. 
Okay. All right, Jake. Again, thanks for joining us on the show today. Uh, to all of our listeners, thank you for listening. That is how I was fortunate enough to get Jake on here today as he actually happened to listen to one of our podcasts and reached out. So if you guys want to be on the podcast, uh, if you want to share it with others, just let me know. Thank you for listening and have an amazing holiday season, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.